Hello, welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast for all your history revision needs with Gribbin and Howarth. Hello and welcome back to the new Dalham History Podcast. Today, our listener request, we're going to do Afghanistan, the Soviet invasion of, not the latest stuff that happened after 9-11. That's way too complicated for us to get into. We're going to be doing the usual summary of the topic. We're going to be doing a little bit of a twist on the two truths, one lie. I'm going to test Gribbin on two murders, one lie. I'm going to give her three deaths, one of which I've not made up, but I've changed the details of. She has to work out which one isn't the horrific end of a leader of Afghanistan. Then we'll have a look at the importance question before letting you know where else you can find out about Afghanistan. So why does the Soviet Union invade Afghanistan? So many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. Uh, it all kicks off really... Well, the invasion is in 1979, but things have been a little bit tumultuous for a while in the region, haven't they? Yeah, so in Afghanistan, the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan, or the PDPA, a communist party, overthrew the government of Afghanistan in April 1978. Yes. Um, Replacing the monarchy up until that point, Mm. Afghanistan had had a king, and now they were going to experiment with... They, um, in the first 18 months of their rule, they imposed communist-style reform, um, but also thousands of members of the traditional elite, the sort of Muslim religious establishment and um, sort of intellectuals in the country were imprisoned, tortured and murdered. So pretty brutal. That's the whole communist thing, isn't it? Um, the religion is the opiate of the masses. <laughs> yeah, religion is a direct contradiction to communism because communism should be a religion, essentially. <laughs> I can kind of see where they're coming from if you are a strict communist in that if you are spending too much time thinking about the afterlife, you're not making best use of your time in this world. If you don't believe in God and you're an atheist, you probably want to make this world a better place. And that's what communism supposedly was aiming to do. Whether the people of Afghanistan felt that way, having been this fundamentalist Islamic country, to have this religious heart of your country ripped out and replaced with communism. Yeah, I'm not sure they were best pleased. Um, (laughs) There were lots and lots of uh, anti-Muslim policies and thousands of Afghan Muslims joined the Mujahideen. I love that word. Mm. And they were a guerrilla movement which proclaimed to be on a holy mission for Allah. They wanted to overthrow uh, the government and they declared a jihad, a holy war, on the supporters of the Afghani government. They did. Um, Not to get into it in too much detail, but the Soviets feel they have to go in to support the communists in Afghanistan. One, because they have a friendship treaty, which says that they will support one another. Secondly, because of the Brezhnev Doctrine, which said that countries that were communist, that the USSR would do everything it could to maintain those communist countries. But also there's the dream of um, having access to the Indian Ocean, isn't there? And Afghanistan is their foothold in that region, uh, there's still that hope that communism spreads and eventually Pakistan and India will join the fold. Yeah, also Brezhnev's in sort of increasingly concerned about the growing spread of uh, Islamic fundamentalism. Um, there are 30 million Muslims in the Soviet Union and he wants to show them that there would be no changes to the way the Soviet Union, run it, Union was run as well. So it's a sort of triple, quadruple-edged sword that they go mm. in with, you know, to try and support the communist regime. And It's about, do we say, 50,000 Soviet troops who were sent in yeah. to restore order. People describe this as the USSR's Vietnam, a conflict which, it's a civil war, that they're involving their 
troops in. There's not really a clear agenda or way to win. Therefore, it's quite draining on the country, isn't it? Yeah, they actually invade on Christmas Day 1979. Easy to remember. I think uh, that was in our podcast. Yeah. Um, and Brezhnev says they're only complying with the 1978 Treaty of Friendship. Oh, well, it's actually its full name is the Treaty of Friendship, Cooperation and Good Neighbourliness. We should set one of those up with QBS. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the 27th of December, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister Amin was shot and replaced by Babrak Kamal, who had been in exile in Moscow. So they put their own man uh, into power. Yeah. In terms of the significance of the invasion then, this establishes the Carter Doctrine. It's another doctrine, kids. Um, the American president says that the US would use military force if necessary to defend its national interests, especially oil interests, in the Persian Gulf region and military aid to all the countries that border Afghanistan. Yeah, and um, what he proposes is the creation of a quick-strike military force that can intervene anywhere in the world at short notice called the Rapid Deployment Force. Um, he also called for a draft, of re- a draft registration of 18 to 20-year-old men uh, to allow the CIA to increase its intelligence-gathering activities. He also asked the Senate to delay passing the SALT II Treaty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, it increases tensions sort of really, really significantly. Um, the USA cancel all shipments of grain to the Soviet Union and US companies are forbidden to sell high technology there, such as computers and oil drilling equipment. Um, it was also decided that the USA would give assistance to the guerrillas, the Mujahideen, who fought against the Soviet invaders. And that's when everyone always goes, and that caused the Taliban, which caused 9-11. We're not going to get into that, though. It did, though. It did. Okay. Totally did. Um, <laughs> uh, so it starts off, you know, a, a sort of plunge into the end of detente, really. This is the sort of bit that marks the end of them being... Pals. This is the second Cold War kicking off. I mean, it's sad. America boycotts the USSR's um, Olympic Games as the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Um, and the 61 countries that follow the US's example. Mm. So it's a, essentially an Olympic Games of second world countries that aren't allied with the West and the Eastern Bloc. Do they make their own Olympics? Yeah, they have like the friendship games where all the Western countries meet and have their own sports day. (laughs) Uh, And then in retaliation to that, four years later, the Soviet Union boycott the um, US Games. The LA Games, yeah. I mean, it says a lot, doesn't it? They both had an Olympics back-to-back. That was the Olympic Committee trying to show impartiality and then it, it all falls apart. It's supposed to be this cooperative, wonderful thing of competing but not militarily and and it all goes wrong uh yeah so basically detente is dead it is indeed um the invasion of afghanistan and the american spot response meant that relations were at their lowest point since the cuban missile crisis of 1962 so this is a sort of real low point for relations in the cold war certainly if it comes up on the exam this is leading you into reagan and the second cold war which is a topic for another day but Afghanistan is really important in that it brings both sides into another proxy war and therefore kills off the relations. Absolutely. Two truths, one lie. Okay, Gary, so I have three murders. You have to work out which one isn't the real way that they died. 
This is going to be tough because murders by the Soviet Union, in the Soviet Union or around the Soviet Union or related to the Soviet Union tend to be a bit crazy out there. They do. So okay. we're going to start off with 1978, slightly before the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, but certainly key to our topic, when King Mohammed Dawood Khan and most of his family were assassinated during a coup by members of the PDPA. Uh the coup happened in the royal palace and his death wasn't publicly announced after the coup. Instead, the new government declared that he'd resigned for health reasons. Um, the victims included his wife, sister, his brother, uh, his three sons, daughters, daughter-in-law and a son-in-law, four grandchildren, one of whom was only 18 months old. It's alleged that about 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning, um, an army captain enters the palace um, to arrest uh, Daoud. The um, president refused to go with him, fired a pistol, and the soldiers respond with gunfire, and the bodies are taken to an unmarked grave. Do you know what? I think that that's actually true, because communist regimes have quite a sort of traditional approach to dealing with um, families, i.e. Yeah. getting rid of them. Okay, so you're thinking that one's I true? I think that one's true. Okay, next one, let's go. Okay, so Khan was replaced with Nur Mohammed Taraki, he became president between 78 and 79. Um, he had a dictator-like uh, cult of personality. Um, he had a picture of Stalin on his desk, which whenever anybody questioned him, he pointed to and said, Stalin knew how to deal with backwards regions. Uh, but anyway, his relationship with his right-hand man, Amin, turned sour during his rule, uh, resulting in his overthrow in September 1979 and his murder on the 8th of October. Um, it's said that his death was a factor in the Soviet intervention in December. So, it's alleged that after Taraki's arrest, Amin discussed the incident with Brezhnev, in which he said, Taraki's still around, what should I do with him? Bushy-eyed Brezhnev replied that it was his choice. Amin believed that he had the support of the Soviets and ordered the death of Taraki, and he was suffocated with pillows by three of his men. Taraki apparently uh, didn't resist, and say anything as he was instructed by the men to lie down on the bed to be suffocated and then his body was buried by the men in the night. Murder by pillow. It's not very Soviet, is it? <laughs> Just lie bit, there while we uh, too, have a pillow fight. <laughs> bit too soft and squishy. You're questioning that I'm one? I'm questioning that one, okay. okay. So, then leading on to Hafizala Amin. Um, he wasn't popular with the Soviets after murdering uh, his predecessor, um, and they declared their plan to intervene in Afghanistan on the 12th of December to prop up the regime. Um, before resorting to killing him by brute force, they'd tried to poison him in uh, December, but nearly killed his nephew instead, uh, and had tried to kill him with a sniper shot on his way to work, but it turned out that the security measures that they'd helped establish were too good for them to be able to assassinate him. Um, but they succeeded in poisoning um, members of his family uh, just before the planned assault on the presidential palace. Um, he'd organised a lunch for party members uh, to show guests his palace. And during the meal, Amin and several of his guests lost consciousness as they'd been poisoned. And the carbonation of Coca-Cola that he'd had brought along to the event catalyzed the toxic agent, leading to people dying. Now, he himself wasn't killed and instead... Uh, there was an assault on the palace led by the uh, USSR. And apparently during the attack, Amin said to his secretary, it's okay, the Soviets will help us. Uh, <laughs> and the aide had to reply and say, you realise it's the Soviets that are attacking. Um, 
He initially replied that it was a lie, but it was only when he tried to ring the chief of general staff that he muttered, I guess it's all true. Um, either he was killed in the deliberate attack or died by a random burst of fire. Hmm. So, your choice is that the uh, family of uh, Mohammed Dahoud uh, Khan uh, were killed by the PDPA in a mass shooting in the palace. You've got that the death of Nur Mohammed Taraki uh, was him in a pillow fight to the death, <laughs> or Hafizullah Amin uh, having failed to be poisoned using um, poison and Coca-Cola was shot by the USSR. Now, this is like, you know, the only one that's not a sort of tried and tested Soviet murder technique is the pillow one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've poisoned people before. Uh, and uh, they've definitely shot royal families before. But the poisoning, the Coca-Cola poisoning bit was a bit... Oh, I'm going to go with the pillows as the lie. And the pillows was a lie. Yeah. Pillows is true. No. <laughs> he lay down on the bed and let them smother him. Oh. He'd given up. Oh, that's sad. The lie was actually the Coca-Cola had the <gasps> opposite effect. The Coca-Cola saved their oh, lives. That's why he lived. Yeah. I knew the Coca-Cola was important. The West just... unintentionally saved the life uh, of, I mean... Capitalist saviours. Cook good for you. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Kids, Coke is not good for you. <laughs> Unless you've been poisoned by the KGB. Uh, in that case, full fat Coke all the way. <laughs> tech, tech, technique time. Right, today we're going to do a little bit of technique on a question. Tech, tech, tech. Te technique. Um, a question that is only on your paper two Cold War exam. And... It is explain the importance of an Something. event to another event. Mm. Okay, so it's a it's eight marks per you event. You have to pick two, don't you? Yeah, but you have to do two, so it's sixteen marks in total. So the example that we're going for today is explain the importance of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in nineteen seventy nine for relations between the USA and the Soviet Union. The risk on this question, I'm sure you'd agree, Grubin, is that students tend to read the first part of the question and then knowledge dump about that event, which it's not a narrative question. No, it has to link to why it's important for that specific thing. A lot of the time, the importance are, the, the important bit is going to be relations or yeah. development of the Cold War or, you know deterioration in relations of the Soviet They're not going to link it to another event. No. It's going to be to explain some kind of a relationship or... Yeah. So, to begin with, um, use the words in the question. The Soviet invasion of Afghanistan was important for relations between the USA and the Soviet Union because, and then complete the sentence, it greatly worsened relations between the two superpowers. How many paragraphs were we looking for? Um, it should be between um, sort of two and three paragraphs, I would say. I would say two. Two good, chunky paragraphs. Yeah, so you want to make sure that you are focused on the importance of that further factor. Yeah. Um, point evidence to explain. Yeah. So you need to you need to show off a bit of knowledge about the event, so what it was and what, what happened, and then you need to explain why that was important for this development. So, for example, for this question, you might say... Um, the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan was important because it greatly worsened relations between the two superpowers. Um, when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan on the 25th of December 1979, um, they were supporting 
um, the PDPA in their communist overthrow of the government of Afghanistan. This caused tension between the uh, Soviet Union and the USA because um, the USA also had interests in the Persian Gulf, such as oil. Fine, that's your first paragraph done. And then your second paragraph, you might take it in the direction of it caused the end of detente and talk about the... the Carter Doctrine. Yeah, or the boycotting of the Olympics. But the idea is you're not just saying everything you know about the invasion of Afghanistan, you're talking about the relations. Yeah, always, always, always focusing on why it's important for that development that they're asking you about and in a weird way that makes the question easier yeah. if it was a tell us everything you know about the invasion of afghanistan and you don't know a lot that's going to be a really tricky one to answer but you're going to play the question clever you know about the deteriorating relations that's the whole topic that we did in year 10 just use your common sense to discuss is the relationship getting better or is it getting worse yeah, you can actually, even if you think, oh man, my knowledge of this subject is not great, you can actually pick up a couple of marks because the question will say how important is X for the development of the Cold War or for relations between the Soviet Union and the USA. You can pick up a few marks for saying which way the relationship went. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the event and you think the invasion of Afghanistan, well, obviously that worsened relations. Maybe you can think about, you know, maybe you could remember the Carter Doctrine or that, you know, it caused a civil war and the Americans supported the Mujahideen and the Soviets supported the exactly. communists, you can pick up sort of like three, four marks just by saying what it did to the relations and a couple of examples. And there's always a date. They, they yeah. tend to put a date after the event. So it's, even if you've just done your revision and you've got the timeline fairly fresh in your head, think about what else is happening around that time, bring it into your answer. You're going to pick up marks. Where else can I go? So where else can we go? <laughs> well, there's loads of places you can go, kids. You could read a book. Nah. <laughs> um, you've got your revision guides, obviously. Online on SharePoint, we've scanned in even more revision guides. That Those CGP ones that you like, scanned in. The Target 9 ones, scanned, scanned in. in. But if you want a film. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's say there's a Cold War documentary. The CNN series has a whole episode on Afghanistan. IB students... I've told you many times, watch the whole series and you saw it for the Cold War. But if you don't want documentary, Rambo 3. <laughs> yeah, tenuous, but... It's the weakest of the Rambo films. And I'm saying that with the new film, Rambo 3 is still the worst. Okay. But it's uh, it's the American assistance of the Mujahideen and uh, yeah, he's looking all... Sylvester Stallone. So use it maybe for some context, but, you know... You can watch them firing anti-tank and helicopter weapons at people. Fair enough. Anything else? Yeah, there's the Tom Hanks one. Charlie Wilson's War? Yeah, not Forrest Gump this time. Oh. I mean, that does do a lot of Cold War stuff. And again, kids, if you want to watch a film that sets the whole of the Cold War into the narrative of one man, Forrest Gump's a good option. But for Afghanistan... Charlie Wilson's War, which historically is a bit inaccurate because it implies that this guy who's a weapons dealer manages to turn the tide of the uh, liberation of Afghanistan because he gives them the um, rocket launchers that means that the Russians can't use helicopters anymore. In reality, what happened was they just started flying the helicopters at night because the Afghans didn't have any night vision equipment. <laughs> but ignoring that, it's still it's got Julia Roberts in it as well. It's not a bad film. And then there's a new one, a uh, Russian subtitled one, if you're feeling arty. It's called Leaving Afghanistan, and it's actually about the end of the uh, Afghan war. 
1988. So the war goes on, like we said before, it is the Soviet Union's Vietnam, goes on from 1979 to 1988-89 as well. So Mm -hmm. it's a good 10 years that they're there. Uh, But yeah, apparently some reviews have said that it blackens Soviet history. So um, could be quite a good one for the sort of like actual role of the Soviets in Afghanistan and what they did. And also why they leave, because obviously when you think about the end of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev's decision to leave Afghanistan weakens the prestige of the country. Mm. So still worth a watch. Yeah. So joke time. Okay, difficult choice this week because there are so many good Soviet Union jokes, specifically about Brezhnev and how stupid he is. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Um, well, let's just set the scene. Just in case you've forgotten, Brezhnev is famed within Russia and the rest of the world for the fact that towards the end he was a bit senile and not really with it. Uh, yeah, so there's lots of jokes made at his expense. Do you want to go first? Ladies first. Okay. <laughs> uh, somebody knocks at the door of Brezhnev's office. Brezhnev walks to the door, sets his glasses on his nose, fetches a piece of paper from his pocket and reads, Who's there? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. So, at the 1980 Olympics, Brezhnev begins his speech. Oh! Applause. Oh! An ovation. Oh! The whole audience stands up and applauds. An aide comes running to the podium and whispers, Leonard, those are the Olympic logo rings. You don't need to read all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not a good Brezhnev joke. They're the best ones. Well, you finish your mocks, year 13, you finish your coursework, give us some jokes, get some badges. Yeah, it takes us ages to look these jokes yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> we want your jokes. Um, and any topic, we don't mind, we'll read them out. If you've got a historically tenuously linked joke, we'll read it. So, thanks for listening. It's goodbye from her. Goodbye from him. Bye! Bye. <laughs> <laughs>